Welcome to Nurture Small Business, creating a thriving space with your host, Denise Kagan. Denise is the president of DCA Virtual Business Support and has been a business owner for almost 20 years. DCA Virtual Business Support provides small businesses with an expert pairing of virtual administrative and marketing assistance to match your needs. Learn more at dcavirtual.com. Tony Guarnaccia has helped thousands of businesses survive crisis, whether it was post 9-11, during the Great Recession, or amidst massive company acquisitions. Tony has helped businesses navigate the uncertainties and emerge stronger on the other side. As a child, Tony experienced firsthand the devastating crisis of business failure when his own parents' small business failed and they lost everything. Its impact on his life was powerful. Having lost everything, he determined he would one day figure out how to help business owners like his parents learn how to run a profitable business. The mission shaped his entire 20-year career as an entrepreneur, business owner, enterprise marketer, and after working with biz- the best businesses across hundreds of industries, he has learned how they grow consistently and predictably using adversity to uncover opportunity. Today, his mission it has a name. It's called Democratizing Marketing, and he is going to talk to us today about the six growth factors. Let's welcome Tony to our show. Thanks so much for having me here today. No problem. I'm delighted to to hear about these growth factors. But first, would you mind telling us a little bit more about your experience as a child and um, the ensuing journey that came from it? Sure. So um, I grew up in small business. My parents had a small Italian bakery and they were fantastic bakers. Unfortunately, they didn't know what they didn't know about growing a business. And so at the age of 12 years old, you know, I was just starting high school and just kind of getting myself set. Uh, we lost everything. I had to withdraw from from the school I was in. I had to move into my sister's basement because we lost our home. We lost our car, and I had to even uh, give up my dog to my my sister. And oh. so that was a really challenging time that kind of set the trajectory for really my purpose in life and kind of what carries me through and gives me kind of the passion I have today. Because from there, I left. Um, I went to school, business school, to kind of learn how to actually become an entrepreneur. So I studied entrepreneurship, left there, and then started a second bakery. This time, it was an online bakery. I was actually just going to ask you if you still have that baking um, (laughs) gene. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So afterwards, I started an online bakery uh, with my parents. And what we were able to do is take a photo, put it on a cake, and mail it anywhere in the country, in the U.S. And so uh, we turned it into a gift company and to a promotional products company. And with that, we won Best New Product at the New York Incentive Show, mail cakes to Jennifer Lopez, to Jay-Z, to IBM, to Microsoft, to amazing companies. And I'm you know, 28 years old. I'm thinking, I got this entrepreneurship down. This isn't so hard. And that's kind of when I learned that I didn't know what I was you know, doing necessarily either. And so here I am, uh, 28 years old with a baby on the way and just married. And I discovered, you know, I lost everything again, basically. You know, my, my, I had to move into my other sister's basement and kind of rebuild myself. And that's when I said to myself, you know, I don't necessarily know what I'm doing here, but who does? 
And that's when I, I thought, well, the best companies in the world did. And that really set the trajectory for me to work with those companies. So during a 10-year corporate spin, I worked with Google, ADP, Ford Motor Company, you know, a whole list of, you know, over a dozen Fortune 500 companies and literally thousands of small businesses. And so I did that for 10 years. And then that's after that 10-year stint, I went back to kind of my initial purpose and mission. And that was to really help small business uh, grow and scale and avoid crisis. And so that's kind of where I am today. So in your opinion, what are some of the red flags that can signal a business is in trouble? Because you've there's really, been through this yeah, twice. Yeah, there's really two critical things you want to always keep in mind, your mind on. Uh, number one is your profitability. And number two is your cash flow. So how much money you have and when is that money coming in? So really two simple questions. How much and when? And so you always want to make sure that you, know, you have metrics in place to measure that that you're proactive with it. And, you know, for instance, when the pandemic hit, one of the things I did was I went through all my credit card statements and said, okay, what can I eliminate? How can I boost my profitability to weather the storm? You know, I called all of my, you know, clients and made sure I was getting paid on time. You know, in a business, you, you know, as much as possible, you want to uh, get your, your receivables up front. You want to receive money up front. A lot of times, many of us will bill after a month or even two months or longer that puts a lot of risk in your company. So just really kind of looking at how much and when is really two critical things that any business can do. And it's pretty straightforward. It is, but surprisingly, a lot of small business owners do not know how to look at that. Correct. Yeah, it's sad. You know, a great book that I, I, I read early on uh, was Profit First by Michael McAllowitz. It's a great book. And that's something I always recommend to folks to, to learn more about that area. Interesting. I'm writing that down. Profit first. Eventually, I'm going to be doing a podcast on all the great business books that you should be reading. Yeah, that's a great one. And hopefully, my, my book will make the list at some point too. Oh, nice. <laughs> okay. So tell me, what are a few of the small changes that a business can make right now to improve their cash flow? Yeah. So I mentioned a couple, uh, you know, go through your expenses and make sure that you eliminate what's, what's costing you too much money. Uh, I'll, I'll look at when you're getting paid, like we said before. So try to get paid in advance as much as possible. And then on the flip side of that, try to delay what's going out. So try to expedite what's coming in and delay what's going out. So this means negotiate with your suppliers, you know, see if you can get better terms, you know, one of the things I did as well is when the pandemic hit, I called up my web hosting company. I said, do you have any, you know, special arrangements for folks during COVID? And they said, well, as a matter of fact, we're giving 50% off for a couple months. So that was basically free money. So anything like that you can do. Uh, I changed my terms of QuickBooks. You know, I was using QuickBooks for accounting and I called them and said, hey, you know, the, mon the monthly money uh, cost isn't that much. What if I just do an annual? So in that case, I moved from, you know, it kind of took a cash flow hit in a sense, but the, on the plus side, I reduced the cost. And so kind of looking at those different areas and just really making phone calls and knowing your numbers. Absolutely. I totally agree. So um, your mission to democratize marketing, talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so the idea of demarketing marketing, democratized marketing started with what I call the marketing revolution. And so if you looked at marketing 40, 50 years ago, at least one aspect of it, advertising, uh, was pretty straightforward. You take an ad, you put it in the newspaper, boom, you get some business. 
then you know things got a little bit more complicated. You do radio or TV, you can still get some success. All of a sudden, the internet comes and you have thousands of websites and you need a directory you know, like Yahoo to organize this. Then you have search engines and then you get to the point where you need a major search engine like Google. And then what, what happens next? You have social media. So there's even more content out there because all of us are creating the content now. And now with the phone, you know, things keep on changing, but now you're not just competing against your competitors. You're competing against, uh, you know, the best companies in the world for attention. It's companies like YouTube and Amazon and Netflix. And so this puts businesses, especially small businesses at a big disadvantage. And really because of three things. Number one, there's a lot of, um, uh, fragmentation. So there's used to be a couple places to be, which are called channels. Now there's thousands upon thousands, if not millions. Then once you get to the channel that works, at that point, you then have the problem of clutter. So how do you stand out in your messaging when there's so much competition for those eyeballs? And then finally, technology. So you get past the first hurdle, which is the fragmentation you get through the clutter, then most of us have challenges with code, pixels, all this data, tracking everything, and that's the technical. So my mission is to help educate and, and, and inform small businesses about how to overcome those three hurdles of fragmentation, clutter, and technology. So if I'm understanding correctly, you advise on the metrics relating to cash flow and financials on technology and marketing. Yeah, I mean, really in, in a really succinct way of looking at, I really focus on three things. Number one, identifying the problems in a business, then helping clients understand those problems, and then finally helping them take action. And what I found, uh, there's actually a great, you know, speaking of great business books, one of the all-time great books was um, Good to Great by Jim Collins, kind of a, one of those seminal business books. And he talks about this idea of creating a flywheel effect where you get momentum and it goes faster and faster and then you're able to scale. The problem I found is most small businesses and medium-sized businesses, they never get the flywheel effect going. The flywheel is broken. And I, I put a lot of thought into this and I, I said, well, why is that? And that's why I discovered there's really three things that are necessary to get that momentum. You have to first understand what you need to do then you have to understand how to do it. And then finally, you have to take action. If those three things don't take action, then you're, you're not going to have success. And I, so, to, yeah, yeah, I agree with that completely. Yeah. So if you go back to kind of cakes, since we talked about cakes, so if I'm going to have a birthday party, right, I may know what I want to do. I want to have a birthday party. Then I might say, okay, one of the things I need is a cake. So I have identified that problem. I need a cake. Step number two is, okay, how do I make the cake, right? I might know cakes. I might know what's in them, right? There's some eggs and flour and other stuff. If I don't actually know how to do it, I'm not going to have the success. And the last thing, I have to actually bake the cake. So if I don't do it, it's not going to happen. So this carries through in anything in business or life. You have to understand what you need want to accomplish, which in the business world, that's called strategic planning. Most businesses lack that. They go right to step number two, which is how. How do I do SEO? How do I do a, a podcast without first understanding their strategy and their plan and why that's important? Like, what do they want to accomplish? How much do they want to grow by specifically? Because that helps you prioritize everything else you're doing. And then the last step, you have to actually take the action. 
And so those are the three areas I help with um, understanding the what, the how, and then the action. And how did the, how does this play into those six factors? Yeah. So what I notice again, going back to um, strategic planning, that's the part most businesses are missing. So the best companies in the world will, you know, you'll have dozens of people sitting in a room for weeks on end with a spreadsheet that's 30 tabs long with, with, you know, coming up with a a plan. Like, this is what we're going to do. If we don't hit this goal, we're going to do that. And that's how they operate. And that's one of the reasons why they do great. Average business owner spends more time playing their vacation, their wedding, their birthdays than they do their life and their business. And so I set myself on a mission to help solve that. And, and I, I knew a couple things. Number one, I knew that, you know, most people don't like the plan. They know it, it can be a challenge. It can be difficult. It can be costly. And there's all these problems associated with it. And so what I created with the results loop, which contains the six factors of growth, is a way to easily understand how to grow and simply a way to simply execute on it. So easy and simple is really what I was looking for. Perfect. Now, if you were to advise a business right now, um, and, and we're sort of in a time of crisis, there's, you know, we're in a financial downturn because of the pandemic, right. but what would be some quick ways you would advise them to turn that adversity into opportunities? Yeah, well, this is exactly where those six factors come into play. So the good news is there's really just six things that really make a difference in terms of growth from a marketing perspective. And the first one, and, 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 to, and the point is, this is very easy to apply. So I took my daughter through this. She's in a Girl Scout troop. And as a result of going through this process, they were able to dramatically increase their cookie sales just after 15 minutes of going through the results loop. So this absolutely works. And it's very easy to, to do. Oh, you're speaking to my heart. I was a Girl Scout leader for years. Yeah. So you'll, <laughs> you'll get it. I'll, I'll go through the, I'll give analogies and I'll use the Girl Scouts as an example, just so it's very easy to understand. But the first thing you want to do is look at your markets. So who specifically are you serving? And so when I went with the Girl Scouts, I say, okay, who are your markets? Well, the first one was pretty easy, mom and dad. Okay, great. Then, you know, the next one was, okay, maybe the neighborhood. Then you go to the grocery stores. Maybe there's a yoga studio. And, and the power of writing this down is it triggers ideas. So if I'm going into yoga studio one, or maybe one of the girls, girls in, the, in the troop is going to yoga studio one, has anyone been to yoga studio two? right? So by going through this process, it helps you prioritize. Because really what the planning process is, it's not about the plan. It's really about the process. And so by going through this process, you learn how to prioritize. Because where you are today, no matter kind of the situation, it's a result of how you prioritize three things, your time, your money, and effort. And so where you go today and where you're going to be tomorrow is really how you're prioritizing. This planning process is really just a matter of saying, okay, where am I going to put my attention? From a Girl Scout perspective, do I, you know, hit all my relatives? Do I go to all the grocery stores? Like how, because we only have so much time, right? And so much resources. So prioritization is really helps determines that. From a business perspective, you want to look at, okay, what's the pain points I'm solving? You know, what does my product actually accomplish for people? You know, um, what demographics do I want to serve? What, you know, do I want to hit this zip code or that zip code? So markets are very, very important. It's the fundamental building uh, block 
of starting any kind of marketing. Okay. You want to share any of the other steps with yeah, us? Yeah, <laughs> sure. So uh, factor number two. You don't have to give offer. it all away. I just. No, I just, no. You know, just got I'm, me fascinated. I'm yeah, my whole purpose here is to share everything I, I know about this particular subject. And so the second area is your offerings. These are the products and services you provide. And that might sound simple, but you'd be surprised how many people haven't defined those. And also, it's important because your markets match your products and services. So for instance, if you're selling you know, a high-end car like a Lamborghini, you want to make sure your pricing, your product matches the market, in this case, a high-end market. You know, because fundamentally, cars are pretty much the same. In fact, uh, Lamborghini is owned by Volkswagen. So what's different is really the perceptions, right? Like how do people perceive it? And so this, you know, your product pr uh, price points, your, your packaging, all this is influenced by your markets. And so, you know, do you use fancy packaging? Basically, all this comes together. And a great way to think about growth is saying, okay, what new markets can I provide new products and services? What existing markets can I provide new products and services? What existing products can go into new markets and what existing products can go into existing markets? So you can kind of build a four quadrant matrix and that again drives brainstorming and drives prioritization. It's a very, very powerful process. Very simple, but that was the whole point is to make this simple so anyone can do it and have dramatic growth in 15 minutes. So you're basically taking number two and applying it back into number one to some degree. Yeah, number one and two are very closely linked. And so they go hand in hand. Okay. Factor number three is your value. Value is at the crux of it. So if you look at the results loop, you'll see it's an affinity symbol. And the reason why is because it's recursive. You always go back through this process, but you also discover that value is at the center. It connects one side to the other. It connects your products and services and the markets you serve with how you're actually going to obtain the growth. And value at the end of the day is an exchange. So at the top of what's called a marketing funnel or a sales funnel, you're dealing with people that don't know who you are, much like I'm doing here in this podcast. So what you're exchanging is someone's attention for for hopefully some knowledge, you know, hopefully people are learning some things here and that what I'm exchanging is my time in exchange for people's time listening and hopefully mm -hmm. learning something at the second stage where someone is a little bit more familiar with you. Typically there you're exchanging higher value content for contact information. This is what, you know, typically known as a lead, you know, so people fill out a form, give you some information and then you have them on, on an email list perhaps that's an exchange as well. And then the last level of exchange is really the result for money. So people work with you for your products or services because of the result that they get, not necessarily the effort you put in. And so understanding that really drives all the other decisions that you have to make within the results loop. Absolutely. I really like that results versus, um, I like looking at value as results product. I, yes. I just, I, I think that a lot of entrepreneurs don't, it's an exchange of time and money sometimes right? and time shouldn't be the factor necessarily. Correct. Correct. And it can work in both directions. You know, sometimes, you know, trading time for money, you can lose your shirt, right? Because you're, you're undervalued. But on the plus side, if you get the, if you get the results down, you can make a lot more money. So it's, it's very, very important to really focus on the result as opposed to your time because there's so much room 
both on the negative side, if you don't do it well, but on the upside, the positive side, you have so much opportunity because then you could theory, you know, like celebrities, right. Or basketball players, they work for, you know, two hours and they make a million dollars that game that we, you know, when we all want to be in that position, they're not <laughs> trading their time for money. They're trading it for the result, which is winning the game. Absolutely. And I think, um, athletes, professional athletes are one of the best at tracking their goals, to be honest yeah, with you. Absolutely. They always know where they stand with everything. Yeah. So Tony, I suspect that our listeners are going to have to get in touch with you to find out more about four, five, and six. Yes. So how do they reach out to you? Yeah, there's a couple of ways. One way is if anyone wants to learn some of the fundamentals that I'm talking about here, I have a manifesto where I put a lot of my best stuff in for free. And to get that, you can go to smallstepsmanifesto.com. And uh, when you do that, there's actually a assessment. So you can get a score on your six growth factors and know exactly where you stand and which one you should prioritize working on first. That is awesome. So they can go to smallstepsmanifesto.com and they can um, take the self-assessment and you'll be in touch with them. Yes. Yeah. So uh, there's an opportunity there if you want to book a time to meet with me or, you know, if you want to get my book, you know, there's lots of options there uh, once you go to the, the that page. Perfect. I think I'm going to head over there after our podcast and check it out myself. Perfect. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome, Tony. You have a wonderful afternoon. You too. Take care. Thank you for joining us for today's Nurture Small Business, Creating a Thriving Space podcast. Learn more about your host at dcavirtual.com or by emailing her directly at denise at dcavirtual.com.